You're listening to the Totally Buzz UK podcast. Hello and welcome to a brand new episode of the Totally Buzz UK podcast. The podcast that takes you around the weird and wonderful stories circulating the web that you may have missed in association with www.totallybuzz.co.uk. This is a podcast that wants to put a smile on that face and cheer up your case of the Mondays. I'm Laura and I can't do that alone because putting a smile on people's faces is a two-man job and that's why I'm joined this week once again by the sensational squig John Squires. Wow. Can we like can we just clip that little part and just keep that? Because that is probably the nicest thing you've said about me on all of these podcasts. Sometimes I feel like you need a pick-me-up, Squiggy. You need a boost. You need, a, like you need your own personal totally buzzed. Other, cho- other chocolate bars are available, apart from a boost. I've just in case Cabins want to sponsor us. Oh, boosts are good. I hadn't had one until... Uh, I mean, I say when I say until, it was like eight years ago was the first time I had one. But they are they are very nice. The fact that you, you're like, I've knew you knew when your first boost bar was is probably how much of an experience they were for you because it's because i had it in my first ever job so there used to be like a shop downstairs and i went down and they're like oh they've got boosts in me being me never had a boost ended up buying a boost i just like the way that story also makes boost sound like the most expensive thing ever that you had to get a job before you could have one i don't know why that's where my head went when you were like it was my first ever job and i'd saved up for months i'd saved up i'd been there three years and eventually they took me down to the shop because i could afford it what a beautiful story oh it was fantastic but anyway how are you i'm good thank you how are you i'm fantastic I mean, you definitely are being called sensational. Uh, uh, best day of the year. Excellent. Well, Squiggy, we like to get straight to it here on this podcast. If you're a new listener, I'll just tell you how it works quickly. I found free stories on the web that people may have missed that they're so weird. People would probably say that's not true. Yet they are. Squiggy knows no nothing of these stories going into it. We discuss them, have a bit of banner. Then Squiggy shares his segment, What the Buzz, where he shares a fact that will make you go, What the Buzz? And even though we censor a swear word there, we're a very explicit podcast, so cover those young ears and get off it if you're, you know, not going to like bad language because Squiggy's a right regular potty mouth. Squiggy, are you ready for story one? I like how you went from being nice to call me a potty mouth. I didn't say that was a bad thing. I mean, yeah, it's not, I suppose. I but mean, yeah, let's 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 kick it off with the first news story that you have for me. Well, Squiggy, you know how we like weird and wonderful stories and they tend to come from the animal kingdom. Today is no different because from APnews.com, I'm going to tell you the story of a black bear. Not just any black bear, a black bear that got stuck inside a home for 45 minutes. So uh-huh, this is different than the black bear story I was expecting there when you said black bear. I'm intrigued by that and I'm intrigued with how many bear stories you have up your sleeve. (laughs) (laughs) Anyway, according to this, a black bear made its way into a New Hampshire home, got stuck inside the porch area and eventually left after 45 minutes after making quite a mess. Naughty, naughty bear! Melissa Ann (laughs) Kelly Chapman of Grafton posted on Facebook following the account on Saturday, we do not eat walls and the doorknobs. Worst house guest ever. She said her husband had to climb out of a window and go push the door open so the bear could get out. No one was hurt. The couple estimated that the bear was over 400 pounds. New Hampshire has between 4,800 and 5,000 black bears statewide, according to the state fish and game department. And bears typically enter dens between mid-October and late November and emerge from dens during late March or early April. In 2018, in Groton, a woman was injured when a bear was trapped in her home. So we've got quite a short story, but quite a lot to re- unpack here. A. The woman's reaction on Facebook to do a cycle 
sarcastic post and go naughty naughty bear for highlight she did capitalize one of the words naughty how are you feeling about this bear squiggy he's a naughty naughty bear yeah don't think i'd be putting a facebook post on a sarcastically about a bear i'd be like oh my god there's a bear in my house i like the idea that i thought you were implying the bear reads your facebook and he's like how dare you i must return i accidentally leave my computer on goes on facebook what did he say about me i'm a nice bear i'm 400 pounds how dare you i'm a free 80 free 80 at most (laughs) i've been losing weight been a rough time but, <laughs> so there is that and i also like the fact that obviously it says they emerge from dens during late march or early april so basically this bear has instantly come out of its den after hibernated and gone straight back into someone else's home like nah i'm good mate yeah that's i don't like the outside yeah that's my favorite bit that this bear was like i'm done i've seen it what am i gonna do also i don't know if you got this is this not like free bears and goldilocks but the role of goldilocks is being played by a bear yeah it seems that way doesn't it so are we I'm now thinking that the fairy tale originally was based on a true story, but they just changed it all up. <laughs> and it literally was, this is where they got the idea. They were like, you know what would be funny though? Let's reverse it. Maybe the bear thought that. Maybe the bear read it and actually went, you know what? I don't like what happened in Goldilocks. I'm going to go and do this now. I was going to say, how would, you, how would you react to a bear eating your walls and your doorknobs? Because you own the house, Squiggy. You, I, don't own my, I don't own the house. I live with my parents still. But you, as a proud homeowner, a bear. Probably fear. <laughs> to start with i think fear i think fear is a good one to have not gonna lie i mean i'd be shocked because i don't think there's any bears that live around here in the first place but yeah if a bear was just, uh, say i came downstairs after recording this podcast and there was a bear in my kitchen i'd be wondering how silent it was that i didn't hear it but also i'd be very scared of this bear and i'd probably go back upstairs and try and lock myself into my cupboard so the other thing is what would you protect obviously this bear was eating walls and doorknobs but i feel like you might be trying to move your tech around was there anything else more precious because i'm gonna be honest you gotta sacrifice the food in this instant that's replaceable that's gone yeah to be fair all my my texts in this room so this is like the podcasting shrine so as long as everything in here is okay I'm, i'm fine I love the idea that you sound like you've bear-proofed your house already. You're like, I've got a bear emergency room. Don't worry, guys. I don't want to find out, though. Do you not? Did you think bear's no. one of the worst house guests? Because, I mean, they said worst house guests ever. I'm going to be honest. I think a snake, spider, anything poisonous. I yeah. know a bear is, like, obviously a big bear. And if it gets angry, it probably will kill you. So the whole lack of poison isn't a true issue. But a part of me is also like, at least I could see it. You said about if it was silent or whatever. But you, I'm not going to be unexpected. It's not like I'm going to go downstairs and stumble upon it. The chances are I will see the mess it's already, or the damage, or the hole it's broken into my house, or the smell. <laughs> Whereas yeah. a snake and that. So yeah, a snake could appear at any time. Like, you think you're safe, and then suddenly the snake drops down from behind the curtain or something. And that's just it. I've got, I have really don't like snakes. That's one of my biggest fears when I go to Florida. Did you not see one when you was in Florida? Because obviously you stayed there for quite a bit. Yeah, so I, I didn't actually see one, apart from like the odd couple that slither around the area. One came across the golf course when I was playing golf. Mini golf, not proper golf. That put me off my game. But I've seen I've seen videos of people staying in staying in Disney hotels and they've gone to sort of pull the curtains closed and there's been a massive snake sat on like sat on top of the curtain rail. So they've obviously they've had to get animal control in to remove it. And I'm not just talking like a little baby snake, like a full on massive, oh my god, what the buzz is this? I I can see that. I mean also alligators, I guess Florida would have been something or crocodiles. I don't know which one. I wanna say alligators in Florida, but you're more the American. I think it's alligators. I hate yeah. them as well. Yeah, I'm not a big. I know. I hear hippos are awful. I don't like rats. That's something nope. also they can sneak you off. Like I said, I feel like a bear 
in theory, I'd be like, a bear's not my worst fear. But then obviously if I came down and I saw a 300, oh, a four, sorry, 400 pound plus bear, then it would probably be a different reaction. Because it's because I'm not American. I don't see it as a realistic possibility. I guess that makes me a bit... Not that I come across more more, a lot of snakes in the UK, but I think the stories, like, you said about Florida, I associate snakes with Australia. And there's yeah. like, I feel like there was several stories of how a snake come up through someone's toilet and bit them on the balls or something, or some yeah. viral... Like see, some... The, see, people people try and advocate for having for men having a sit-down wee. Men don't have a sit-down wee because a snake could come up and bite you. I that's don't all think I'm gonna that's say. the global reason given, is it? If I mean, you're I'm if you're having if you're having a if you're having a standy, that's what I'm going to call it. If you're having a standy, you can see the snake, and you can escape. But if you're sitting down, it's dark down there. You don't know what's happening. Is that generally what your whole life philosophy? I've learned so much about you. The fact you called it a standy, the fact this is the fear that you're now never, you I've never ever called it a standy in my life before. But it came to you so quickly. It was yeah. like something that's subconsciously been burying away at you. You probably had a dream and you were like about snakes, probably because of your fear. I think it's from. I think it's from watching snakes on a plane. I have never seen that movie because I'm not a fan of snakes, so it's never really appealed yeah, to I'm me. Yeah, I'm not a fan of snakes either. It. Yeah, and yet you watch that film. Feel like you're hurting yourself. Yeah, well, wasn't as hurt as the guy who uh, got the snake to bite his balls. That's true. I mean, I hope he's an urban legend and not actually true. But before we move on, we need to go back to this black bear. I'm going to be honest with you. If you're this couple, and obviously they joke, and the husband had to climb out the window and go push the door, would you now be thinking of adding some extra bear protection to your uh, house? Because 45 minutes doesn't seem a long time, but I imagine being trapped in a room for 45 minutes when you might want to go out and stuff is probably a bit... Yeah, not ideal, is it? But yeah, the, the, it, I do find it weird because it seems to be a regular thing in some places, especially in like Canada as well, that you'll just see bears in your back garden. And I'm just like, mm, no, not for me. Because obviously then a bear might want to come in the house. But how would you bear proof a house? Because I mean... Electric... Fence, I guess. Uh, wow, is this Jurassic Park? I'm gonna be, to be fair, it didn't really work in Jurassic Park, did it? That's well, why no, like it's 500 it. movies of that freaking franchise. Yeah. I'm, I, I mean, true. I love it. What, what time to be alive? <laughs> really, really loved the. I loved the dinosaurs and wasn't they? They sponsor us Universal. <laughs> I loved them. Yes, but I get that. But then I'm also like, if you. If they're not going to bear-proof their house a bit more, then the only other suggestion I have for people is move. Yeah, that's probably the best suggestion, isn't it? It Shift. probably is. Unless, you know, bears suddenly become like Winnie the Pooh, which weirdly we were talking about before the podcast. But if bear, bear just comes in the room, oh, bother. Yeah, and like, oh, do you want some honey? You give him a pot of honey and you send him on his merry way. Now, that's a bear I can get on board with. Yeah, I wouldn't be opposed to that bear. Also, classy bear because, you know, Winnie the Pooh wears a shirt. Granted, no pants. I feel that's still one of great life's mysteries. Why does It's a mystery about a lot of Disney characters. Donald Duck. Yeah, but Donald, I also feel like proud of his tail feather because he always feels on the brink of it. <laughs> what, you want to watch him shake his tail feather and that song pops into my head, which I can't sing because, you know, demonetization of the podcast. But you get my point. There's some, there's the little difference. Whereas Winnie the Pooh is just like round butt. That sounds like I'm checking out butts of characters now and I'm generally not. It's just, oh, yeah, oh, this Yeah, oh, this barber. is taking a turn. Anyway, all I want to say on the weird subject by making it weirder is I wish all bears were Winnie the Pooh, who <laughs> is uh, copyright free this year, I believe. He's either become it already or he's about to, so you can use him how you wish as long as you don't put him in a red shirt. 
He has to be the naked Winnie the Pooh because the red shirt version is owned by Disney, I think, or something like that. Uh, that sounds about right. Yeah, I learned Typical I learned Disney. stuff about Winnie the Pooh because I, you know, I'm just waiting for that copyright to drop on him, and then he's free game. He's in the he's <laughs> in the free realm. You know, when they like something becomes so old, it's then free of use, and I can't even think of the yeah term. But it's that. So maybe what this is Winnie the Pooh manufactured this story to get bears back in the media to then do his emergence. <laughs> Who knows? Anyway, Squeaky. Pops out. A bother. Beautiful. Squeaky, we're going to move away to hopefully something else you're not um, scared of because this is also about dangers and it does involve your gender. So. Oh, God, no. So we're going to go to theguardian.com for this story with the headline, Being male and on your phone are the biggest dangers on the Scottish mountains, says expert. So this data has come out covering a seven-year period from the start of 2019 that shows that women accounted for only 10 of the 114 fatalities on the Scottish mountains. Right? Just 10 of 114. So if you're a stat man, you can appreciate a good stat. Um, yeah. Mm-hmm. So according to this article, being male and unable to look beyond your mobile phone and being unfamiliar with the avalanche forecast, these are critical risk factors on Scotland's mountain, according to the country's foremost female climbing expert. Heather Morning, who took up her post as chief instructor at Glenmore Lodge, Scotland's National Outdoor Training Centre, earlier this month urged visitors to think winter this springtime, as Police Scotland revealed on Friday that mountain rescues are up 40% in recent weeks and climbers misreading treacherous conditions on the peak. Seven people have died on the hill month alone. Sad, you know, RIP. We don't normally go into stories with death, but bear with me because this advice is where it gets a bit weirder because I believe people die on that. Ma- I, I assume that someone must die on a mountain every week across the world. I mean, at least. I feel on average, probably. Maybe not actually once a week, but on average, probably. It yeah. works out like that, yeah. So yeah. anyway, Morning, who's this instructor, um, explained that in March, longer daylight hours down in the Glen in Scotland, it very much feels like summer. People aren't switched on the fact they might still need an ice axe and crampons up high. So snow falling, warmer days, frosty nights make conditions more dangerous. Basic stuff. This is like stuff you would assume about your snow mounting and stuff like that so anyway she goes on to explain you know based on this data men over 60 the demographic get more difficulty so you're thinking you know maybe more men climb over 60 yeah that's that's what i was gonna say straight away (laughs) look you're gonna defend your gender without any facts yeah anyway so she's analyzed this data herself so out of this 10 114 10 are women she went on to say you make generalizations about male and female attributes with regard to risk taking And obviously it doesn't reflect everybody, but from the many years I've spent training people, guys tend to overestimate their ability and give things a go and don't think they need (laughs) formal skill training, whereas ladies tend to swing uh, the other way. Women, in Mourner's experience, have far less confidence in their own abilities and are more willing to attend, for example, a navigation course, which some people think is irrelevant when it's absolutely the cornerstone of safety in the mountains. She estimates that about 25% of mountain rescue incidents are the results of the basic navigation error of putting people in the wrong place. The male reluctance to learn about navigation overlaps with an assumption among many young people that all they require is an app. As a younger person, your whole life is orientated around your mobile phone, so it seems very natural to take it to the mountain environment while a map and compass feel outdated. She it goes on to say that it's further challenged to educate people who do not consider outdoor resources are relevant for them. And she said, If we take the classic example of someone driving up from down south to climb Ben Nevis, I expect that most people you meet on the main track and never will have never even heard of the avalanche forecast. That's can I just home. stop you there? Yeah, you can. I have never heard of the avalanche forecast. I feel it would come yeah. up in the first training session. But then as a male, I can see why you haven't because you haven't attended even the briefest of leaflet pamphlet readings. <laughs> Anyway, well, that's, that's us. Before I go on, she uh, does say 
she believes that while women increasingly embrace outdoor adventures as much as men, this equality does not translate into those applying for leadership positions. So there's probably an argument here that she goes on to, you know, say, you know, how many women and male are doing it and stuff like that. She did also then add another story that uh, her decades on the mountain have taught her to never make assumptions about individuals' climbing abilities, and this extends to dogs. She recalls her initial surprise when a tiny little chihuahua arrived with its own owner to attend a navigation course she was running in Oak Hills. Oh my god, it was hard as nails. That he, the thing comes off the hill, filthy having a board. It's done like eighteen Munros, so never judge a book by its cover. Don't know why I feel like she's left it to the end to go. By the way, I met a tough as nails climbing chihuahua. I feel like you lead on that, love. Jesus. I shoot. would probably lead on that. I was going to say, Squiggy, how are you feeling? Your gender's been attacked, <laughs> effectively. Do you know what? It has, but I agree with too much of it. You're like, that's such relatable content. The navigation thing is such a male trope. Oh, yeah, but like the whole thing is like, you know, the men don't read instructions. I mean, I'm guilty of that for most things, unless I'm putting together some furniture, which is like complex furniture. I'm not going to read the instructions, but if it's like a little bootcase... I don't know where everything goes. I'm not going to read the instructions. And I can hope. So. I can openly say that I'm literally the opposite. I reread instructions multiple times to make sure I get it right and everything's precise and you know accurate. And the only time I skimmed around the instructions was on the R2D2 Lego when I was starting to lose my mind. <laughs> the elastic band bits, and I went back and had to redo the elastic band bits because um, basically it's obviously Lego. Lego is. Lego is simple, guys, but also because it's such one of those big ones, you have to move the legs back and forth, so you need to get it in right to get the spinny bits right, to put the elastic over so the legs go back and forth, so it's kind of more mechanical, which isn't my skill set. I'm saying this begrudgingly, but I got there eventually, and it's amazing, and it's beautiful, but it's because I had to read the instructions properly and take them in, and I feel that you would be like, I know what I'm doing, and then, yeah. I mean, I'm not... I'm not. Yeah, actually, probably I am. I can't even. I can't even try and defend males in this. Like, it's just such because, content. because I am one, and I know what we are like. That it is just very relatable. It's just one of those things, isn't it? Out of interest, because this is where I feel like it sort of goes with the, the trope. Is would you ask directions in your car if you were lost? Uh, yes. No, you wouldn't. The uh, the noise. <laughs> no, the noise said no. No, it's it's only because. I've been lost before and I spent ages driving around before I did ask for directions and got given the wrong directions so I ended up even more lost. That said, I am the type of person who's give, uncomfortably given the wrong directions before. Oh yeah, I've done that. Oh, someone asked me where a building was. I think, oh, I think you need to go all the way around there. It was literally behind them. All that I did was turn around there and I felt that. so bad. I have never walked so fast in my life. The thing is, you don't want to lie when you're in your hometown. A lot of my hometown yeah. looks the same. Like, I gen- generally think it all looks the same, certain parts of it, and I'm not overly great with it. But I feel it's much nicer if you're out and about somewhere else and they go, oh, where's this? And you're like, oh, I'm sorry, I don't live around here. Because you, you could just directly say it naturally without it feeling so bad. But yeah. I don't think I, w- I would feel I would be justified knowing where something is if someone asked me anywhere near where I live. <laughs> So this is where I've sent many a woman on a lost quest. Not a man, because a man would never ask. Exactly, yeah. So there is that. Also, app dependency. I don't know if I think that's actually a gender thing. No, I think that's just a where things are at the minute. It's a young person thing, but I don't know if we're in the young people category, and I feel like I would use an app or I'd use myself. I am in the young people category. You're older than me, so if that's the case, then I'm also now young. But yeah, exactly. 
that's fine then i'll accept that but yeah i feel like apps and stuff is what you would rely on but i don't then again it's like when she says people expect that on the mountain i don't i would also expect my sat nav and i don't know why i'm taking the sat nav up there but my google maps i wouldn't trust them on a mountain per se maybe when i did the when i did the three peaks i didn't do the 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 uk one i did the yorkshire three peaks just before people think that i'm actually a proper mountain climber and everything (laughs) i'm not playing it down and being like i can't relate to this i can relate then it's like oh but by the way when i did the uh three peaks in my (laughs) mountain and i didn't didn't have a clue where i was going we had one person who had a compass and a proper map and he knew where he was going but kind of lost him Sorry, you lost. You lost the guy with the map in the compass. <laughs> I say, I say, lost. So Effectively, someone else. By the way, I think he lost you before you go into this story because he. So, yeah, well, no. So, so so someone else in the group thought they knew where they were going. So like, we'll go, and he's like, I'll stick back and wait for the the stragglers at the end who were struggling a little bit. Like I think this was after the second hill. Um, so got to the got towards the third hill and i was like wait where's everyone so there's only like three of us and they'd all disappeared all these people in front of her and i was like well the car have gone up that road we'll look behind he we didn't know where he was he wasn't there so we couldn't even like you know wave at him and go we're going the right way so we just hopped a fence into this field and it turned out we we're going the right way you know what you should have stuck with the uh, <laughs> the guy you should have stuck with the i guy. mean I, fin- I finished it before him true but that's because he was rating for stragglers don't try and make out that you outman mounted him he was trying to be a nice guy. He sounds lovely. The fact he had the compass and the map, he sounded like he had his head screwed on and everything. In my head, yeah, I'm picturing but... Bear Grylls for some reason. Oh, well, that's what, I, that's what I kept calling them. But yeah, I mean, when we got to the top of the, the third hill, mountain, whatever you want to call it, we saw some people who were in our group. So I was like, right, I'm following them. So I left everyone else behind. I was like, I'll see you at the bottom. And I started following them down instead. So I was fine. Well, That's what I would do, you see. So I, I, I'm one of those people I won't get lost because I'll attach myself to a group of people that look like they know where they're going. So Squee will end up in a movie where he has to decide whether to eat people at the end, um, <laughs> basically is what we've just learned there. I was going to say, Squee, before we move on from this, the argument about males maybe not attending classes. But did you go to any uh, classes before you did this weird trek? No, I didn't have to. Did you not have to or did you not know you had to? <laughs> no, I didn't. Ha- I didn't have to. I didn't have to. Are you sure? I'm pretty sure. I bet the man with the compass and the map went to one. That's all I'm saying. That's well, yeah, saying. but he probably he probably did like survival experiences and everything. I just rocked up and thought, yeah, I can climb this mountain. So basically, what the Three woman times. described. <laughs> basically, this article was about you. Well, that's what it was. So like, people were preparing and like, oh, I'm going for a walk. This I'm going for a walk at uh, the weekend. You know. Just up one hill and down just to prepare. And I was like, all right, you enjoy that. I'm I'm going to go and throw some weights around at CrossFit. I was wow. like, I don't need to do that. I, I feel like we've learned a lot from this. And I feel people are probably chuckling at your uh, confidence. Hey, what else I'm going to say, right, is I was probably... I think there was about 20 of them in the group. And I think I was the sixth or seventh person to finish. Out of? 20 people in our group. Okay. I just wanted to double check because I was like, out of eight would have been. No. So, you know, it's not bad, is it? It's not bad. It's quite impressive. Especially considering you went to no classes and were so unprepared. Yeah. Makes it a little bit more impressive. And my bag uh, unzipped itself halfway down the third hill when I was running down it. So I had to go back and pick up my hoodie and everything. Oh, wow. You really nearly even more unprepared when you lost all your stuff wonderful <laughs> well, don't get to a really proper mountain that's all i'm saying based on this i feel like you've got I'll a way of one here i'll be fine i had loads i had loads of pick and mix with us it was okay once again not the survival food <laughs> maybe some grains 
Maybe a boost bar would have been better, but... Possibly. But look, I survived, I made it, and I'm still here to talk about it. True. We're going to move to the final story of the podcast now, which is from your region, Squiggy. Oh, God. But it's from Sunderland, so... Uh... Oh, God. This is more scary than the first two stories already. <laughs> so the headline on this story from ITV.com is Choir Boy's Hidden Note Found in Sunderland Church Pew 125 Years On. That's right. They found a note. A hidden message from an orphanage choir boy pleading not to be forgotten about has been found after it lay undisturbed in a church pew for 125 years. This letter by 13-year-old William Elliot was written on 11th August 1897 on the back of a chorister's order of service at Sunderland Parish Church. Work has been carried out during lockdown to restore the Grade 1 Georgian Liston building to an event space called 1719. Don't know why that's relevant, but it is. And then the note was discovered. Uh, conservationists worked on the paper to remove decades of dust, grime, pol- and polished so the words could be deciphered. William wrote in pencil, Dear friend, whoever finds this paper, think of William Ellett. Read two months and two weeks and four days on the 11th of August 1897. Whoever you are find that finds this paper, don't tear it up or throw it away. Keep it in remembrance of me. W. Elliot, I was the leading boy of this choir. I love you, if you love me. So, a very sweet note. Squeeze, your heart melting? No, it's Sunderland. Okay, well, I'm going to continue here to make your heart melt a little bit more. Don't worry, i got more up my sleeve here. So research by the 1719 volunteers revealed William's father was Chief Officer Thomas Duncan Elliot, who was sailing on the vessel Skyros when he washed overboard in 1887. William's mother, Sarah Anne Elliot, was left a widow with four children, and although the family had been fairly comfortable until then, by 1891 she was working as a dressmaker to keep the family afloat. William was eligible for admittance to the orphanage after his father's death and was ultimately accepted the following year. He was discharged on the 29th of October 1897, his 14th birthday, just weeks after he wrote his letter. He avoided going to sea, like unlike many of the other boys at the orphanage, and worked for a local solicitor after leaving. But after 1901, the trail grows cold and nothing more can be found of William. However, is your heart melted yet, Squiggy? I think it's frozen. Okay, I'm going to try and crack it open now. But next to the framed copy of the letter, which now hangs in the church's Lady Chapel, next to the very seat in which the boy composed it, a wooden plaque commemorating the dead of the Great War. And listed among the dozen names of the parish fallen men and boys is an individual with the same name but different spelling. W. Elliot, one T, not two. His plea to be remembered has inspired the 79 to launch the Dear Friend Project, inviting anyone who wishes to write a letter back to William. So they were saying how the letter touched on. Is there any, any heart in there now? Because he could have gone in the Great War. In a sad light in the end. No? Nothing. Mm, Not even a tear. It's Sunderland, so no. But no, it's a ni- it is a nice little. I think it's, it's a, a nice, nice story little story. They I think. found yeah. they know the note, and they're doing this whole you can write yeah. to win it. I because obviously it's not the most obvious feel good story on the weird and wonderful here. I found it a bit weird because obviously finding a note after 125 years, freaky dicky, yeah. not something you expect. S- really. Someone in Sunderland can write. Right. Wonderful. And weird. Keep your personal biases aside, <laughs> but um, yeah, it's kind of cool how also they were able to track him back i know they lost where he went in history in 1901 which is they potentially probably, didn't lose him because they might have, might have found him probably came in castle i mean i think we saw the great war memorial someone <laughs> just made a spelling error but if you want to say instead of someone in sunland making a spelling error never wow 
you really can't let that go. I should have just lied and told you the time we're area. And you're like, where though? And I'm like, it does not say. Sorry, sorry, anyone listening from Sunderland. I apologise. Um, he doesn't mean it. Sunderland. Let's be fair. And let's be fair, someone from Sunderland probably the say the same about you, Geordie boy. Now, probably would. Yeah, but anyway, is there any thoughts you have on this story? Because it's like so sweet. I know, just ignore Sunderland. Is there anything sweet you can say about it? If it was set in Newcastle, it would have been a beautiful tale. Do you not think it's impressive that they were able to track it back, though? The family, the history, and all that from just a note. It is quite impressive, I suppose. Well, if you um, went to your local church, I'm, I don't think you're religious, I could be wrong. I don't know. But if you went to your church and left a note and it was at Scarborough for 120 years, and then they were able to track back who you were and everything like that, would would you not, as a as a spirit? I mean, in, in this in this day and age, it would be less impressive because of all like socials and everything. But in that back like back then, for a note that was left like that long ago, I think it is very impressive that they've done that. Lot, Especially with the technology they've got. Imagine you leave a note and they track back and use Twitter to put together a picture of who you are. Oh, God. Crossfit loving Disney, Disney enthusiast. Yeah, they'd be like, hey, he once went to Disney World to dish out ice cream at a dinosaur. <laughs> we have the pictures to prove it. We tracked them There's down. Picture evidence. It's and your, we've, uh, we've found the people he worked with as well. Yeah, the They internet, perished in the Great War. The internet footprint that you leave behind. Because when you Google me, you get like stuff I've done journalism wise. So that's not as bad. Oh. I did Google something earlier to see if my. Because it came back to me. <laughs> this is going to sound, this is a bit of a detour. But basically, there's a dinosaur statue. I don't know why dinosaurs keep coming up. That was in disrepair in my local area ages ago. And I went to a little protest. There were six of us and <laughs> to save the dinosaur. Not, that's not a protest. That's like. <laughs> That's just a club. So I went to this club to save this dinosaur. There were six of us. And we were on the front of like the local newspaper, like, save the dinosaur or something like that. Yeah. I've got to be honest. I just wanted something to do. And um, it was, I mean, it was a dinosaur. does what it wants. But uh, I remember thinking about it. It just came back to me. I Googled it to see if uh, it was on the web, like any remnants of this paper from a few years ago. It wasn't, thank God, because I remember thinking, man, I'm glad that's not on there. But I did find out they're trying to save the dinosaur. The same freaking one again. So I was like, like, like a few weeks ago, I was like, wow, my legacy is being torn apart. But yeah, Squeaky, anything on your e-footprint you want to admit to here? I don't think I've got anything. Like, if you Google me, you'll find you'll find Disney, you'll find random game stuff and everything. And you'll probably find a bit of CrossFit. I don't think there's anything else really and that I know of. If you find anything uh, interesting, email us at totallybuzzoutlook.com and we'll ask Squeaky on the spot what it means. Or tweet us at yeah. totallybuzzuk. Yeah, I don't think I've, I don't know. Not that I'm sure of. But here's one for you, Laura. If you were going to leave a note for someone to discover, say 125, la- 125 years later, what would you write on it? I really hate the fact that my mind went straight to Laura was here, those weird S's that everyone used to Google in school. Yep. Or the fact that I was thinking Laura rules for life and I was going NWR in my head like, <laughs> like wrestling. That literally came in. There were the three things that instantly popped into my mind. But obviously as a note, if I knew it's like being left with the like message in a bottle type sort of stance, I feel there's so much pressure to write something, you know, meaningful. But then a part of me kind of wishes I would do like a mentally... <laughs> sound so, I sound, I'm going to sound fucking awful. But um, do you know you know of Eric Cantona, the famous French footballer played for Man United? Yes, I know of him, yeah. <laughs> you know his interview where he's like, follow the seagulls and he confused the whole room of journalists? 
Yes, I think so. It's famous. It, no one could really work out what he actually meant. And it was like, it sounded <laughs> so deep, but generally, was it? I would write something like that. And then they'd be like, is this profound? And then spend ages trying to analyse it and crack it. And then that would be my legacy. That's generally what I'd aim for. But I don't <laughs> have in mind what that would be right now. It'd be something like, you know, if window is wet when the window wipes or something. You know, something that sounds really <laughs> fucking big, but it's like fucking not. But yeah, have you got any idea for a note then? Or did you just... I'd, I'd, I'd do something like really philosophical, which is actually just bullshit. But no one will know that because it's 125 years later. So they might think that I'm like, I was a martyr for change or something back in the day. Then we'll Google my internet history and realise that I just like CrossFit and Disney. But I could have them like, you know, going for a little bit at first. I feel that. I feel that's the best way to be. Then I also feel that if you just steal someone else's phrase from that time in the hope that they haven't been left and then you get credited with it... You know how people credit um, when you see like Instagram quotes or stuff like that and they've been credited to the wrong person or to a celebrity that regurgitated it? That could be the legacy there. I'll just make up my own quote. Oh my God, I could write Molly May's quote. You have 24 hours in a day. Oh God. There you go. Or Kim Kardashian's the whole, you know, just work harder, guys. Just work harder. Speaking of working hard, Squee, time for an ad break. Don't forget to rate us five stars on Apple Podcasts. You may know him from the podcasts. You may know him from Twitter. But did you know that you can also follow Squiggy at twitch.tv slash squiggyplays for all your gaming content? Use the hashtag TBOA to join the conversation. Do you use the Good Pods app? Find the Totally Buzzed UK podcast on there today and help us climb the charts. Just how many red cards will Laura rack up in FIFA 22 Pro Clubs this season? Double digits? Triple digits? The elusive thousand? Follow Totally Buzzed on Twitch at www.twitch.tv slash totallybuzzed. So you're listening on Google Podcasts? Hit subscribe on the Totally Buzzed UK podcast to keep up to date with your weird and wonderful fix. Team Sancho's Nachos, Team Relegated Niles, Team Man United have been the early frontrunners in the Totally Buzzed FPL League. Can you dethrone them? Check out www.totallybuzzed.co.uk And we're back pondering on philosophical meanings during the break. Probably you listening along were as well, thinking of what you would write on a note to be discovered 125 years later. But right now, the only thing you need to know is what the hell is going on in the segment we call What the Buzz, which is presented by Squiggy. What the? Hello there, everyone. It's time for Philosophical Squig. No, it's not. Uh, so What the Buzz this week is it's a space-related What the Buzz fact. So people might not know this about me. We've talked about my CrossFit and Disney obsessions, but I really like space. Thanks for coming. No, no, I was a big fan of space. I've been to sort of Kennedy Space Center in Florida a few times, and I've walked through little bits of the International Space Station before it was sent up into orbit. And this fact is about the International Space Station. So did you know that it circles Earth every 92 minutes? And that equates to a speed of 17,150 miles per hour, or five miles per second. And I think that's a pretty cool fact because I did not know that it actually circled the Earth every 92 minutes. I'm not going to lie. I did not know that. So basically, we our podcasts are like about 30 minutes, 40 minutes. So 
like free totally buzz uk yeah that is quite some so an astronaut could put on three episodes of totally buzz uk and just watch the world go by literally and then they'll be back to the start that's insane it's really weird and the speed of it the speed of it's like the weirdest thing so 92 minutes i was like okay that's pretty pretty impressive but then the speed to do that is 17,150 miles per hour or five miles in a second like that is ridiculous Especially when you think you'll get a speeding ticket if you go 31 or 32 and a, or 35 and miles per hour and a 30 MP. Yeah, five miles a second. It's, yeah, and then I was sort of thinking, imagine being on there while it's doing that. Like, do you feel it? Or is it just normal? Do you know what I mean? It's the context that, are oh, you going so fast? Do you realise it? Like, sort of thing. Like, But then you've obviously been trained for it at that point. Yeah, like, or if you're a man, course. you haven't been trained, you haven't attended training, you just rocked up in the space shuttle going, let's go, lads. If you're that man, you're probably freaking the fuck out, to be honest, because you're like, yeah. oh shit, I took a... You know what it is? That man's took a wrong turn. He was not aiming for space. Yeah. He's ended up there. He's just seeing it through, bravely and naively continuing on. But yeah, I feel that's a really cool fact, to be honest. I genuinely... I think that's your coolest fact, yeah. It's just weird to think about travelling at that speed. If you start, like, digging into it and pulling the string, because you think you're going fast if you, like, going 70 on a motorway. I mean, I know yeah. some people could be like, well, go now hundred or something small fart but it's like look calm down obey the law people listen to your speed limits but in this context i'm just like i just i just can't it's like i guess the sensation that you have on a roller coaster where it goes so fast or it's such a drop that you feel like you're in danger but you're not so it's yeah. like the illusion and perception of what you're experiencing might not be what you are yeah i don't know i, I just find it weird like i always i've always wanted to go into space and i mean i still really do but now i'm like i don't want to sit on some of the traveling 17,150 miles an hour that's a bit quick i like the idea that you that's now put you sort of off sort of thing but then you maybe won't be thinking of that no well i am now well, yeah i wasn't i wasn't 10 minutes ago are you going to space anytime soon well no but i'm going to take episodes of the totally buzz podcast to listen to and you might come and across this go. one while you're on yeah. and you'll be like i remember i remember i, I like, want to no. get off I want to go home. That would be quite ironic. But Jonathan, we're on the way to Mars. I, I want to go home. I thought you were saying, but Jonathan, you are home. <laughs> that is a beautiful fact. And a wonderful segment to end on because you've made it terrifying. So hopefully you've put a smile on the face. But now everyone listening has that, you know, goosebumps, hair sticking up sensation that you get from roller coasters. Yes. We're giving if you Sunderland enjoy- didn't terrify you, then I have terrified you with space. Basically, in order to help you get through this week's Monday, instead of putting a smile on that face, we've basically made you think of worse outcomes. This Think of the situation you could be in. Exactly. Think. It could always be worse. And that is be the note that Squiggy <laughs> leaves for it to be decided 125 wow. years later. Uh, um, I never thought about that one. There we go. Oh, perfect. Squiggy, you know what you could put on your note? What you want to plug, and hopefully it's still standing 125 years later, and that's my way I mean, of saying, plug what you got to plug right now. I mean, it'd be a bit weird if twitch.tv slash squiggy players was still broadcasting 125 years later. Squiggy Jr. I will carried not be on here. the legacy. Squiggy Jr. So yeah, twitch.tv slash squiggy players, Instagram and Twitter are both the same name. You can also follow me on my personal socials, which is John J. Squires on both Twitter and Instagram. And as for the Totally Buzz UK podcast, if you enjoyed the episode or even if you hated it and you're now terrified and it's all Squiggy's fault, and if you're from Sunderland, I don't really care. At this point, just give us a five-star rating with a nice review. And, you know, you can literally put the five-star review as fuck Newcastle and I will read it and tell Squiggy to his face if you're from Sunderland. Think about that when you're <laughs> considering whether to review the five stars. What? Hang on. Sorry, what? 
No, no, nothing. Just carry on. Anyway, five star reviews, reviews. We want them all. Podchaser, Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, all of that and in between. Also follow us on Totally Buzz UK. Check out the website at totallybuzz.co.uk. Follow us on Twitch at Totally Buzz UK. Follow us on, subscribe on YouTube at Totally Buzz. I don't think I'm missing anything. There's so much in between. And to be honest, maybe if I have missed something, I'll leave a note and my legacy will be this. Who knows? Squiggy, do you want to say goodbye to the people, even those in Sunderland? Goodbye to everyone, apart from those that wear red and white stripes on a Saturday to a League One football match. I love the fact he wanted to make it clear he wasn't insulting Southampton fans. I or Brentford. Like, I don't actually... Oh, you know what? I don't <laughs> like Southampton or Brentford. So what... To be fair, Southampton football team, fine. Wasn't a big fan when I visited the place. It wasn't great. It was like a ghost town. It freaked me out, people. But Southampton and Brentford, just because Brentford wear red and white stripes, you know what? I'm actually going to say goodbye to everyone whose football teams don't wear red and red. Red and white stripes, fuck's sake, it's hard for me to say. That's how angry I am at the thought of Brentford. (laughs) Anyway, goodbye, everyone. Join us again next week for a new episode at Monday, 7am. Bye-bye now. This podcast is brought to you by two chatterboxes and a lovable Geordie at totallybuzzed.co.uk. Getting demonetized and probably caught it away if I could turn back time.